And one story that always kind of captures my imagination And you're listening to Kerning Cultures. We're going to jump right into this one. The year is 1959 and we're in Abu Dhabi. Oil hasn't been discovered yet in the UAE. The population of the nation is less than 100,000 people. In fact, the nation is suffering from something no one knows how to fix. When my father met with them, Sheikh Sheikh Aboot said, we really need you, we especially need your wife. We don't have any doctors, women are dying in childbirth. They would die in childbirth. It was a 50% mortality rate. One in every two children and one in every three mothers are dying in childbirth. The population of the UAE is completely stagnant and no one knows what to do. Today on Kerning Cultures, we're stepping back in time. But not that far back, actually, which is perhaps what's so intriguing about this story. The stories we're about to share are in living memory of every Emirati family today. This history is still part of our lifetime. I'm Razan Alzayani. And I'm Hiba Fisher. And you're listening to Kerning Cultures. Let me set the scene. We're in the late fall of 1960 in Al Ain, an area about an hour and a half from Abu Dhabi. The air is cool in the desert, and there's an American missionary family of six in a Land Rover. The mother and father are doctors, and they have three young children, two daughters and a son. The mother is wearing a dress down to her knees and flip-flops, and she's speeding over the sand dune. We had to land on the coast in a plane. In those days, everybody landed in Dubai or Sharjah area. This is Kathleen Kennedy. She and her sister Nancy are part of this family of six in the Land Rover. In the fall of 1960, Kathleen is seven and Nancy is three. And then we had to come inland and it was a 10-hour trip over the sand dunes with our luggage and everything. And we actually had to back down three times on this one big sand dune. And my mother was the the one who really liked to drive. And she was the one who would get us over the dunes. Do you remember that? I just have this memory of mom being the adventurer. That was quite an introduction to the land, but we loved it, you know, right away. The Kennedys arrive in Al Ain in 1960 at the invitation of two rulers of the UAE. Though at the time, the Emirates hadn't united yet and they were still called the Trucial States. Pat and Marion Kennedy had spent some time in Iraq and Jordan prior to this, and that's how they first came to be known by the sheikhs. So they knew Arabic, and the doctors have a big task at hand to solve the population crisis in the country. Yeah, so the population was in significant decline. This is Trey Hulsey, who we'll hear more from later on in the story. So there were no doctors around at the time? I mean, even like herbal, like medicine, like things like yeah. that? No, so I think there would have been um, kind of traditional healers, wasam, when they would burn people with irons, yeah. So they used to have kind of traditional healers. Alain is more traditional than the rest of the country. So still today you can find Emiratis in Alain, especially that can show you their burn marks on their neck or their back or whatever, where the traditional healer said, oh yeah, your shoulder hurts, let's like, like, let's burn you here, um, and that will help. So there are those kinds of things happening, but there were not 
Western-trained medical doctors around until the Kennedys showed up in 1960. When my father met with them... This is Kathleen again, the eldest Kennedy daughter. Sheikh Shekhabut said, we really need you, we especially need your wife. We don't have any doctors, women are dying in childbirth. And my father said, we would like to come. But he said, I have one request. And Shekhabut said, yes. And he said, we would like to worship Jesus in there. And Sheikh Shekhabut said, ahlan wa sahlan. And so he said, yes, you can still worship here. You don't have to change your religion. And so we had religious freedom there from the very beginning. In 1960, Sheikh Zayed gives the Kennedys a plot of land to build the first hospital in the area, a Christian missionary hospital in Al Ain. Sheikh Zayed had had a palace built, and it was mud brick, and that was where they located the hospital. Okay, but KK, palace is relative term. My memory is it was totally mud brick. There were barasti, parts of it were barasti. Barasti are traditional palm frond shelters, widely used in the region because they allow for air to flow through during hot summer months. It's like, it was like a fort. And so you always had to walk out into the courtyard to get to another room. So all of us kids slept in one room and mom and dad slept in another. But in the summers, we would sleep on top. They called the hospital Oasis Hospital. El Hain itself is a natural oasis. There was there was no no plumbing. It was pretty rustic for a palace. And nobody had an address. There were no banks. And then there were spinnies. Do you remember spinnies? Is spinnies still there? Still here. Yeah, we still shop at spinnies. <laughs> spinnies is an upscale British supermarket that still exists to this day in the UAE. And that's the only place you could get air conditioning. It was... Remember, we just wanted to go into Spinney's. You could get M&M Smarties. You could get Smarties and air conditioning at Spinney's. (laughs) Nancy and Kathleen remember their father fit in right away. He loved the Bedou lifestyle. My dad, he was was sort of like a Bedou. He just adored the Bedou. And he'd get out there on the Land Rover and he'd make up because they would have these ruckums, you know, like songs that they sing. A dad would sing with them and he'd make his own up and they'd laugh together. And he used to sing Nerka Bil Sayara, Min Gatara. Min Bremi Gatara. Gatara. You know, and, and they'd sing it along. And, you know, so. As the Kennedy children immediately and happily adjust to life in their new home, playing in the sand dunes and making spinnies runs for rare doses of air conditioning and imported chocolates. Their parents had a big task at hand, building the first hospital in the area. Word spread quickly about the newly available medical services, and in a day, Pat and Mary and Kennedy, both general practitioners, would see a hundred patients between them and a handful of nurses that they trained. The waiting room would just be so crowded. I remember there being more than 100 patients in a morning. Am I exaggerating? No, that's There was 110, 120 sometimes, 130 sometimes. Because it got too hot by midday, I mean, the summer temperatures would reach 46 degrees Celsius easily. The Kennedys would start their days at 6 a.m. and would shut down at noon. They worked six days a week, taking off on Sundays for church. We would have a service. We would sing and read. The Christian community was only the missionaries, really. Maybe one or two others joined in. And they'd just have some songs 
and some scripture reading, you know, and mom just loved that. News spread that there was a female American doctor in Al Ain, and women came from all over the country, even Oman, to see her. Because with the conservative traditions, women just felt more comfortable, even from a religious sense, going to a female doctor. And this meant Marion was in incredibly high demand and that she worked all the time. She would come home exhausted from morning clinic. It was six hours straight. And around three o'clock, she'd get up and she would go back to the hospital. And, and I'd say, Mom, you're so tired. And she said, no, this is the reason I'm here. She always was gracious. She had a really remarkable sense of grace about her. But at the same time, she was pretty authentic, too, about the struggles. She didn't hide them. So she was very conscious of, you know, the fact that she wanted to be with us more and couldn't be. And, and she would tell, talk to us about that. She would read to us in the afternoon on bed. She'd fall asleep way before we were ready for her to because we wanted her to keep reading. <laughs> it was hard for her. It was a struggle. But she had a lot of support for my dad, too. They were a good team. Of course, you know, the gender issues made it so my mom was in more demand than my dad because the women, they just needed her more. It didn't feel like your typical hospital. Because patients made long journeys to get to Oasis, they also stayed a long time. They brought food supplies, clothes, their camels. As patients waited, it was like social hour. They would bring their coffee and dates, sit on the floor and chat until they were called. And as a Christian mission hospital, Oasis doctors were funded independently and modestly by donors and churches from the U.S., Patients were only charged for external expenses like medications that they would take home, not for direct medical services. Patients had your typical issues. I would go out in the waiting room and take blood pressures and take temperatures and find out, do a little triage, a lot of high fevers, a lot of diarrhea. She had to do a lot of pelvic exams real quickly right there. Or patients needed minor surgeries, which Pat Kennedy would take care of, whether for people or their animals. The men would come and see them, but they weren't so complicated. They'd have minor illnesses or the women would let them do surgery, him do surgeries too, because my mom did not do surgery. And then he was, he had to take care of their animals. Yeah. And sometimes he would deliver like a cow or a camel. The biggest need, however, for Oasis Hospital was delivering babies. Because as mentioned earlier, the mortality rate in 1960 in Abu Dhabi was that one in every two newborns and one in every three mothers were dying in childbirth. My mom didn't know about this ahead of time. She discovered as they would come in and labor that they were not dilating and not opening up to have their babies. As she found out in the process of asking what would what they would do was their first baby, that was their easiest baby to deliver. They were so fearful of getting an infection that they'd take rock salt, like the size of an egg, and shove it up inside the uh, uterus after their first kid. And salt would cause the skin to scar down and scar tissue doesn't dilate, it rips. So that when they had more kids, they would die in childbirth. So mom would patiently, I mean, here we think two hours is a long time to be pushing, but there she would just wait and wait. And during a contraction, she would cut the cervix, which you'd never do because the baby's head would keep it from bleeding because it's like pressing on something so it doesn't bleed. So she'd cut the cervix a little bit at a time 
so that the baby's head could finally come out. And then she would give them a shot of an antibiotic after the baby was born so they wouldn't get infected because they were so afraid that they would die of an infection without the salt. So she would give them a shot of an antibiotic and gradually they accepted her and trusted her. And then people come from all over would come and deliver there. The Kennedys worked at Oasis Hospital for 15 years, leaving for holidays back home maybe three times during those years. And even after they moved away, they came to visit Al Ain often. In the early days, there was nothing surrounding the hospital. We looked through old photos and literally it's a single prefab building and then just desert. But slowly the city was built around the hospital. The hospital gave people reason to build around it because they knew they could get help easily if needed. I have a, I do some English teaching. This is Fiona, who was helping out with the media and communications for the present day Oasis Hospital. Well, I was chatting with a whole group of women and they were talking about birth and how difficult birth can be. This one student said to me, I once said to my mother, how did girls do it before there was AC, before there was hospitals? How did you do it? And my mother said, they didn't. Lots of them died. And she said, you know, I started to cry for my history and my heritage and my community, that it was so hard that so many people died. And then she looked at me and she said, and that is why I love Oasis, because when Oasis came, people stopped dying. That's the difference they made. And that's why I'll have all of my children at Oasis. That's why this place is important to this community. After the Kennedys left, other doctors came to fill their place, but Oasis would always remember the Kennedys' legacy. You can see it even in the way the hospital looks. A few years ago, they renovated Oasis Hospital for the first major time since it was built. Because architecture always tells a story, the history of a place, its priorities, we reached out to the Australian architecture firm Pedalthorpe Architects that designed the new Oasis Hospital building to understand how they took such a rich story of Elaine's history, like Oasis and the Kennedys, and reinterpreted it into a modern hospital facility. Because when you walk into the new Oasis Hospital building, it's certainly unlike any hospital I've ever been to. If you look at the building carefully, we have this big red crescent-shaped canopy that runs over the atrium. My name is Ken Sowerby. In 2015, Oasis Hospital opened its doors anew as a fully updated facility with a new building. And Ken was one of the lead architects who worked on the redesign. He now lives in Kenya. It's about six stories tall on one side and four stories tall on the other. And separating the, these two elements is a huge sweeping canopy, which if you look at it from the side, it very much looks like a, a crescent shape in abstract form. We looked at the two symbols, if you like, of healthcare, both in the Middle Eastern countries, which is the Red Crescent, and we looked also at the Red Cross, which is Christian or Western symbol. So we've got these two kind of symbolic elements, and that's where the, the big crescent roof that you see came in, into play in the architecture. There was a kind of mixed symbology there, which we felt helped to combine the notion of one culture, one tradition, even one religion, and another religion. The blend of a Christian and Muslim symbol for healthcare sits on top of the hospital as a metaphorical and physical veil protecting it. And if you can picture it, the sweeping canopy follows the classic Arab architecture pattern of a mashrabiya design. 200 meters from the hospital is an evangelical church complex with weekly services for over 37 congregations in Arabic, English, Hindi, Malayalam, Afrikaans, Tagalog. 
As you enter the new Oasis Hospital, you walk into this expansive, sunny atrium. And on the wall, in front of you, written in huge letters, are verses from the Bible. Come to me all who are weary and heavy laden. I think as a, as a hospital, obviously people come to a hospital when they're feeling heavy laden. And I think Oasis is reminding itself and reminding people who come. It's kind of a welcome to people who come, but also a reminder to staff that our job is to love people and welcome people. As you walk through the hospital lobby, there's a Starbucks on your right, a pretty typical sign of modern influence. But apart from that and the updated medical equipment and all the rooms, Oasis Hospital feels like it is one foot in the last century and one foot in this one. Because the new complex is connected to the old building, they didn't knock that down. And lining the walls of the old majlis of the old building are photographs, newspaper clippings from the Kennedys, photos of the royal family as children. It's like walking through a time capsule. And the patients, they feel it too. We have one lady that comes every day for her diabetes shot. This is Jessie, who runs special projects and patient relations at Oasis. Her husband is Trey, Oasis Hospital's president, whom we heard from earlier. Jessie oozes positive energy, and she carries this energy with her into the hallways of Oasis and into patients' rooms on a daily basis. I mean, the diabetes shots are, like, rather easy to give yourself now, right? Most families, somebody in their family teaches them or can do it. She comes to Oasis every single day, and she's been coming for 30 years or 40 years. And even when we went to the new hospital, we made sure there was a spot for her to come. We changed the process, but we made sure... You're going to come here every day, and we're going to make it really easy for you. And this is your spot. During our visit to the hospital, we got ushered into a room by Jesse to meet an Emirati patient family. A newborn baby girl just two days old was wrapped in a swaddle, sleeping soundly on a hospital bed, surrounded by three generations of women in her family, including her mother, her grandmother. And as her mother, a young, slim 24-year-old woman, was lovingly hovering over her newborn, we asked her why she decided to give birth here instead of another hospital. So I asked her why she decided to come here. And just so you know, she asked that her name not be mentioned in this podcast. She explained to me that the hospital has a really good reputation and that the doctors and nurses are really good with care, are meticulous with her medical tests, and that they prioritize the health of the mother and the baby before anything else. I then asked her if she thought twice before coming to a Christian hospital, if it mattered to her or not. She said no, it didn't matter to her, and that there's no difference between religions. The most important thing is how humane the person is, how they deal with people, and how honest they are. So to her, giving birth at the hospital, even though Al Ain is quite a conservative place, this was a no-brainer. I have a funny story about a man who didn't want to come to the hospital, and he's older, and his daughter called and said, my dad is really sick, he doesn't want to come, I don't know what to do, but he has a fever. And I thought, I don't know what to do. And she said, can you just come over to the house? I thought, well, I'm just going to hop in the car, and I'm going to I'm gonna hop in the car and just go over there. So I hop in my car, drive over to their house. It's like 10 minutes from the hospital. And I get there, and the wife is like, come to the bedroom, come back here. The, my husband's really sick, and he refuses to go to the hospital. I was like, oh, heavens to Betsy, what am I doing? So I go back to the bedroom with his wife, and he's under the covers, 
freezing. He's shivering, shivering, shivering. And I said to him, Baba, come on, you need to come with me. Like, we're going to the hospital. He's like, no, I don't want to go to the hospital. And I was like, no, you need to come to the hospital. And tomorrow I'll come. I thought, you're not, you're not coming tomorrow either. And you're really sick. I mean, he did not feel good at all. And so he got up finally. And I was like, let's go. And he's like, no, no, I'll come tomorrow. I said, I'm not leaving your house until you come with me. I could tell he was really sick. So I called the hospital and I said, hey, we're on our way. I just wanted to make sure they were ready because this old Baba was not going to put up with us making him sit in a waiting room and getting triaged and all of that. And I thought, well, we got, we got, we got to mix both of these things together. We need him to be cared for and we have to fit it into the Oasis culture still. So I'm not leaving your house until you come with me. So I got him in the car with his family and their driver. And the whole family came and followed. And he ended up needing to sleep in the hospital for like four days. But he was really sick, but refused to come. And he thought, if I just stay home and in my bed, I will get better. And he was not going to get better. We care about them and we want them to know it. Jesse and Trey, two Americans who speak Arabic, they came to Al Ain from Palestine six years ago to continue their missionary work. And these two, they're kind of like the modern day Pat and Marion Kennedy. Not as doctors, but in the way that they give themselves to the hospital and the community. I mean, this really struck me. When we were walking out of the hospital, Trey all of a sudden bent down and picked up a stray tissue off the pavement. And that's something that the president of the hospital doesn't really need to do. From Palestine, I really wanted to go back to the States. I thought, I'm done with this living overseas thing. Let's go home. And So then he ended up getting the job here and he said, can we just try it for one year and see what you think? And I was like... Okay. And ultimately, we came for the Mission of Oasis Hospital. A year turned into six very quickly. I love to visit home, and but overall, when I think about ever leaving, it makes me wicked sad to think about leaving the people that we've built really strong relationships with. Hollywood tells you a lot of things about the Western culture, and the news tells us a lot of things about the Middle East, right? And it's good for us to actually get to know really get to know people so you know those aren't what's the reality of life on the ground always right not all of us are like hollywood and get drunk every night and sit around in short skirts and whatever do you know what i mean like they i had a conversation with a woman a couple weeks ago that just said like well all americans are like the movies and i thought yeah get to know me because i'm pretty i'm not like the movies (laughs) get to know me i'm probably crazier than the people in the movies One year ago, in 2015, when Oasis Hospital had the opening ceremony for its new facility, the Kennedy daughters, Nancy and Kathleen, were invited as honorary guests. Pat and Marion Kennedy, their parents, had since passed away, Pat in 2000 and Marion in 2008. At the opening ceremony for Oasis, Sheikh Saif bin Zayed Nahyan, the current Minister of Interior of the United Arab Emirates, walked up to the daughters to greet them. He came and he brought his little kids with him and he, we were standing in the line. Jessica made sure we were in the line. He was just going through the line real fast. He gave us 10 minutes of his time. And in the first thing he said, how proud he is that he was born at the hospital, that there's this hospital that Muslims and Christians and Jews, he used the word Jews too, and it was so profound to me that he said, you know, we're all the same, we're all human, and we need to have this care at the hospital. It was so inclusive, and he was so conscious of that. And I feel like that just connects what you guys are tapping into from way back, from the early days. You know, that's how it was. It wasn't so political. It was just this oasis. It was still an oasis hospital is what it felt like, this oasis where people could come together and feel cared for and loved. 
This episode was co-produced by Rezana Zayani and myself, Hibba Fisher, with sound design by Vish and editorial support by Lily Crown. Special thanks to Oasis Hospital for opening their doors and their stories to us, especially to Fiona Duerden, Jesse and Trey Hulsey, and Nancy and Kathleen Kennedy, whom we spoke with over Skype from their current homes in California and Washington in the United States. As always, if you like what you heard here today, please take a quick second to rate us on whatever platform you're listening to this podcast on. And if you'd like to see some amazing historical photographs from Nancy and Kathleen growing up in Iran in the 60s, definitely check out this episode's page on kerningcultures.com. Until next time. <laughs>